Live from the Pathway Studios in Johnston Proper, you are Live from the Path. Listening to live from the path. We're coming from the uh, Pathway Studios here in Johnston Proper. Now, Ben, yep. you had a dog, right? I had two dogs. So here's what I noticed about about this. is like uh, I go to let the dog in, and, and I only open the door like wide enough to fit the dog's exact body. Huh? You ever uh-huh. notice you do that with the animals? You go to let one of the animals in, and like you don't swing the door wide open like it's Merry Christmas time. You, you, you estimate the dog size, and you put it almost, I mean almost dead, and that's the size of the dog. And I yeah, thought, I guess you do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you do, right? And I thought, if someone ever did that to me, <laughs> I would be so angry, <laughs> right? If I showed up at a guy's house and he only opens the door, my exact, my exact width, and I would be furious at him. Like, what do you, I mean, you honestly saving like 57 cents on the eating bill? You can't open this door enough for a man to comfortably stride through? But I do it with the dog all the time. And I act super impatient. Like, sometimes I'll accidentally hit her in the leg. I'm like, I got to shut the door right now. And I, if I hit the dog in the butt with the door. <laughs> you raise the barn? After oh. I only opened the door, like, <laughs> I mean, eight inches. <laughs> I thought, I'm a jerk. I don't know why. I, I, and then I, I thought back over my life. I'm like, I've done this with every animal I've ever had. Like, the door comes open, the exact width of the animal, and I expect them to narrow it, their way through. Is it because you don't trust the dog? Like, they, 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 the, if, if I were letting you into my house, you would likely fend off any nefarious creature that might be trying to get it at the same time. But the dog has no such discernment. He's likely to be looking at his phone while we're trying to broadcast the stuff. Dan and Booba. Uh, <laughs> we do video, fellas. Hey, video. Man, I, I love you guys. I love my fiance more. She's just about to go to bed. Leave me alone. Hmm. I, got, I got someone who really wants to hear a sermon, so I'll just tell I'll get it posted. So. I was telling my story about the dog, Ben. And I was listening to your story about the dog. To being I here. have a dog. Sheesh. Hey, I got a buddy whose dog swallowed a tennis ball. This isn't a real story. He had to go in for surgery. He's just covering this up because he's afraid of being yeah. on the I'm floor. Tell us another one, Dan. You, what, yeah, wait. tell us another situation <laughs> about a tennis dog. A tennis ball. Swallowed a tennis ball. Like hole? Yeah. Hole. Hole. And they tried what? to get it to throw up, and it wouldn't. And they had to go in this morning for surgery. And I'm just, I don't know what that looks like, but I have a feeling. Oh, yeah. yikes. Yeah. Because you can't really deflate thing. it. No. I so, mean, I, okay. Listen it. here. I, I don't know how to put this delicately. I feel like it could come out. Yeah. Oh, I've man. seen stuff of a, of a I mean, pretty. I that's a big dog, but ah. Yeah. Like a pitching machine. You know stuff happens. Oh. Larger than life. No, we can't let Mike say that and not comment. Mike, no. Th- th- there's like a whole lot of like you pitching just machine. Get through to get there. Hey, that's awful. That's how you get Booba to pay attention during the show is you imply that you poop like a pitching machine. <laughs> and then Booba goes, well, I'm going to direct my conversation up to something else now. I was paying attention to the dog conversation. I was talking to my fiance also. Don't judge me. Leave Rocket. me alone. Rocket oh. man. All right. <laughs> that's disgusting. Uh, no, that's <laughs> Is the dog all right? You they said when it's yes, for surgery. I, I texted today. them a few times. I even kind of thought, man, should I go to the, you know, like wait in the waiting? <laughs> like, all right, I, I've never thought that before. <laughs> all right, let's talk socially. Is that a deal? Boy, is that Dan. a deal? I think it is these yeah, days. Yeah, never really? used to be. Oh, no, I think it's a deal because your kids have moved out, and then you've moved closer to animals, and you're like, I should go there and treat the wound. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so I haven't hit that point yet because I would never say to someone, "Hey, I heard your cat's in surgery." Dude, I totally do that. I'm praying on it, I, but and, you know what? And I'll that be means there. something. It does. It, yeah. They're part of the family. Am I the jerk? 
Like when I, no. yeah, you are, yes. No, I'm with you, Booba. No, you're both jerks. I've had a okay, hard people. If Mike and I are on the same page, Dan, I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I got reactions. People like, hey, my dog's going in for surgery tomorrow. Can you pray? I'm like, pray for what? Right. <laughs> your, your dog gonna make it. Your dog yeah. aren't, ain't gonna uh, make you know it. <laughs> well, they, they, they didn't ask terrible. me to pray. I just actually thought. I mean, oh, I, I'll be honest. Go. There are people who are in surgery. Like, ah, oh, yeah, they'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't go, but I actually, I'm like, it just, I thought, man, I should. I yeah, should Dan, be. that might be a kids moved out thing because no. I've never once thought. No, you're the one who said it first. No, listen here. It's uh, uh, <laughs> why are you disagreeing with yourself? No, I said that. No, Mike oh. did. I, no, no, like uh, Mike, there's, I agree. there's a thing about pastoral care, and frankly, just being a friend that says I care about what you care about. Yeah, right. And like some, like everybody cares about. Hey, my mom's in the hospital. Right? They might hear from right, fifty right. people. Right. Uh, the person that says, "Hey, man." Uh, this is this is impacting you, and I know it's just your dog, but I also know that you care about it. And so, yeah, I'm, I'll pop, even if you popped yeah. in for five minutes, say how things are going. And if you're, like, getting a hammer toe fixed, it's like, it's a hammer toe. You'll, it'll be fine. Yeah. But your dog's like having their stomach ripped open. That just seems big to me. Yeah, yeah. You keep the ball, you think? <laughs> you put it in a that ball. took you put a it turn like in one of those uh, that I was yeah like no, a class no you do not have a, oh, <laughs> can I have the vet on. sign it yeah <laughs> or what the dog going, there's a happening you know, actually I think I would have a harder time if my pastor didn't show up because I'm like what I mean don't you care what, what, what are you doing what? I mean what you got you, I mean, it's not like you got a job to be you at, work you know like an hour why don't you meet me at the vet clinic this is your job I think it's a it's a really big misconception right but like I just assume that all pastors are available to do anything at all times. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just assume you actually have absolutely nothing to do, and any idea I come up with is worth your time. <laughs> because you don't have that's, to go to work, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, sweet Moses. Welcome to the established church. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah that's exactly <laughs> I bet everybody thinks the same thing. Call yeah, Dan. He's, he's not busy. Hey, hey man, we should go to lunch. I bet Dan's available. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is the benefit of disassociating yourself. Uh, uh, so from a house church perspective, uh, generally, you're allowed to think that, but you have to think that about every Christian that goes there. Because it's totally decentralized, right? So you, you have to assume everyone else is not busy, and they're going to come check on you. Yeah, true. Shoot. I'm well, usually the one that goes all for, hey, we need to care about people and love, uh, love on people. And I'm, man, but, oh, all right, fine. I'll start showing up to pet surgery. I, here's the, I don't uh-huh. think it has to be everyone, but like, uh, depending on the relationship, like, you've got to know what people care about. Yeah, there's your special uh, friends, and there's a special dog. And, and what kind, a, of, what a kind of questions situation? do you ask? Like, are you over-invested in your pet to the point where I need to show up for this? Yeah. Hey, why <laughs> is that? Is that your way of loving on people, Mike? Is that what you're proposing? I mean, here's the deal: we lose pets at our house, and it's like devastating. You'll take the whole house down for like three, three four days. It's horrible. But like, I still wouldn't imagine going to the going to the, the operation. Hey, man. So like, like, oh, are you saying you go in there and you say, "Why well, Fido's under general anesthesia?" Can I ask you if you've made him an idol? Is that, <laughs> is that, that's what you're saying. <laughs> oh, I love this. Maybe I'm not I think the right great. guy for this. Yeah, no, Mike, that was never a question whether or not you were the right guy for yeah. it. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, Dan. It wasn't a thought process at all. If there was if there was within veterinary clinics throughout the metro the option to be an on call chaplain, oh, would no. you do it? I probably wouldn't, because there's a lot of cases I'd be like, you know, this doesn't have a soul, right? I mean, <laughs> oh no, you know, it's basically meat in other cultures. Dan, that means you need to be that guy. <laughs> is that you're willing to have that conversation with people? Maybe so. Because who knows the guy that's going to show up? Let's pray for Fido. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, Come yeah. on, it's man. Ball of fur and muscle and bone, buddy. I can't yeah. do it. Yeah, I mean, so are you. I, solely, I, okay, that's also a valid point. I honestly in did cultures, pray for We this. are also food too. <laughs> just a heads up. <laughs> I honestly did pray for the surgery, though, and in, in, in my okay. as I was driving down the street, all I'm like, right. I, just went, I just went to go well. Because it's, I mean, I suppose we pray for that stuff all the time. You pray for for inanimate things because of how they're going to affect people. 
Yeah. Right? Because of how, of yeah. how they're... Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I, that's reasonable. Hey, man, I've prayed for myself at a stoplight because I was in, like unintentionally running late to church, and by unintentionally running late to church, I meant I slept in. Yeah. Uh, I'm flabbergasted by this example. Yeah, I've never uh, yeah heard no, you've never heard of such a situation <laughs> in which I've slept in. Huh. But uh, yeah, there were many times, Dan, I'm going to be honest and say, coming to your church, uh, that uh, I would be driving down the road and there'd be a bunch of red lights, and I'm like, Lord... Come on, man. Yeah. I need a couple green lights so I can make it on time. <laughs> then you said, oh, quick trip. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, wait a minute. There seems to be a quick trip right here. I could probably get myself a hot dog this early in the morning. Let's do this. Uh, so I'm going sh- to share this just because uh, I, for some reason I just can't get enough of these particular types of stories. A multi-site megachurch primarily based in Ohio partnered with a nonprofit to eliminate $46.5 million in medical debt, the largest medical debt relief amount to date. Crossroads Church... A non-denominational church. I think three out of every ten non-denominational churches are called Crossroads Church. Yeah, uh, are, that was one of our original names. It was, was an yes. and then we, we googled it. We're like, nope. <laughs> Non-denomination is the Crossroads. Hey, uh, I mean, isn't that where uh, Robert Johnson sold his soul to the devil? Is that the Crossroads? In like Crossroads yeah. demons? Yeah. Oh, I no. heard. Go ahead, Dan. No, I was in a different. <laughs> what I, on the on the article reading? <laughs> yeah. Some of these I've read before. Are they paying the individual's debt? Are they paying like the clearinghouse, whatever they've gone to to yeah. uh, they call it to the debt collection? Collection. They're paying them pennies on the dollar. Yes, to eliminate the I, back debt. Eh, is that is that's not as nearly as impressive as hey, I see you owe money and I'm paying your debt, your your debt. Yeah, and so that what so not that it's bad. I'm just saying. Yeah, but they're they're pro- they're not quite telling the whole story, right? Like they eliminated forty six point five million dollars in debt, but it probably only cost them twenty five grand or something. Uh, right? They didn't pay the yeah, full. That's what I've kind of read before. Yeah. I thought, well, I mean, it doesn't make it any worse or anything, but it's just not as sensational as they're making it sound. Uh, no, I I, I find it to be a wise use of money. Okay. What what pin is that guy wearing? It says, "Don't panic, twenty twenty. Oh. I, <laughs> that's up to it and hip. He looks Don't like. Craig Buddha Judge, this guy. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, wait, is that how you pronounce that guy's last name? Yeah, yeah, Buddha Judge. Yeah, did yeah. you think it was Butt Gig? <laughs> I did. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie to I you. Said, the complaint stopped. line it is stops uh, right here. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've said yeah. Butt Gig. <laughs> yes, times. I didn't know it either. Go ahead, go ahead, Ben. That's a good point, Dan. 515-517-0085. Have you ever been late to a situation and prayed on the uh, stoplights? Or referred yeah. to someone as butt gig. <laughs> Buddha gig. Um, I would officially change my name before I ran to president. You know wait, what I'm saying? Say it again so I, I can hear it. So I, it's Buddha Judge. Buddha Judge. Buddha Judge. You no, don't spell not. it right. That is not how it was originally pronounced. Yeah. He just decided he was going for president. He goes, <laughs> he should have hyphened it. we got to figure this out. B-O-O-T hyphen A hyphen J. No, it's B-U-T-T. It is butt. Yeah, he should have been boot A judge. He should have. You could change your name pretty quickly. Like, admittedly, you could change that to B-O-O-T hyphen A hyphen J-U-D-G. He's out anyway. He dropped today. Sidebar. Yeah, because his name is Buddha Judge. So my daughter's nine years old, and she has asked that we start referring to her by her middle name. Oh, what? She wants to be called. Oh, oh, okay. So is that? I mean, I I was gonna give it a shot, right? Like it seems yeah. important to her. I'm like, this is no problem. Why not? But I feel like there's no way I'm gonna pull this off. Like, remember we had this discussion a couple months back, where like the kid changed his name. I'm like, I gave you that name. What do you mean you don't like it? You you gonna put it? That's that's hard for me to take. Hey, right? Shoot. I want you to call me by this other name. I don't like the name the first one that you gave me. Oh, wait. She said she didn't like it, or she just prefers the middle one. Uh, I, she said. She wishes it was her name. Oh, I think kids go through that. Yeah, yeah, that's no big deal. Yeah, say it. Yeah, g- yeah, give it. 
Okay, can I can I piggyback on that for a second then? Speak it, Booba. I'm changing. I'm going to change my middle name when I get married. Uh, Booba? No, it's not yeah, Bud Gig. Well, no. I, so I've really been. It's actually pronounced Buttigieg. Oh, Buttigieg. I'm I'm gonna make fun of that all day. Um, no. So uh, my middle name is Dean, and it there's a long backstory as to why it's not my favorite middle name in the world. Uh, whatever. And so there's a family that kind of took me in. And so to kind of pay honor to them, I want to take their last name as my middle name. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm going to be Carson is going to be my middle name. Yeah. And so. Troy Buttgig Carson. Right. Troy Buttigieg Carson Buva Ingleuski. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be. It's, it's, going, it's going to be crazy. My, my fiance is super excited. I just want you to write me a check once. Yeah. With your full name. I just want to see you sign it. What? Yeah. I just want to see really you drag it out. Sign my full name when it's changed, or yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Oh, okay. no, no. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Well, yeah. so like it's uh, like they try. So when my parents passed, they kind of even thought about adopting me, but I was already an adult, and they even kind of looked into what does it look like to adopt an adult. Yeah. It just not even from the perspective of, like to take me in really, but right, just right. show me that they love me. Yeah. And so like I even have fake adoption paperwork from them and crayon from all their kids. It's super cute, and so I'm like, oh. Well, like this isn't real, you dummy. <laughs> <laughs> what are you seven? What? What, yeah, what are you a five year old? What's I am happening? Seven. Yeah, the, oh. exactly what's happening, Troy. Oh crap! I'm a terrible big brother. No, like I. So I just. I, do you th- so with, in that context? Do you think my parents would be upset about that? Obviously, I, it doesn't really change much. But like, if they were still around, would they be upset if I changed my middle name? Uh, As parents in the room. Uh I mean, I, I, I mean, it didn't make me upset or anything. Like, okay. I, I, I'm not really upset. I just feel like I'm having a hard time doing it. Like, I've called oh, her by the okay. same name for nine years. Right, right. And then she's like, call me this different thing. I'm like, ah, oh, man, I don't know. I'm going to screw that up. I've always tried to be really intentional when, because, when, you know, you relatives and stuff. Oh, I'm, I'm Buffy now. No, I'm Bufferly or whatever. You know, it's yeah. just like I try to keep up with what's current. Uh-huh. And because <laughs> everybody around us always still called them their third grade, you know, name. Right. And it's just like, no, you're a big guy now. You're Jeff, not Jeffrey. Or yeah. Whatever, you know? Yeah, that's true. I mean, people get to do that. Yeah. All right, good. I'm in support. Yeah, yeah give it a go. I was going to say, Mike, you've you've called me by my actual name probably less than ten times in yeah. your entire. Yeah, only when it's, you're coming in late for dinner. Right. What? Then I get. Then I use the full name. Otherwise, it's Booba. All six of them. Right. All right. So let me ask this question. Uh, so, so, so this is people paying off what are forty six million dollars in medical debt and agreed it's pennies on the dollar. Uh, so are we saying it's better? Would it be better to pay off? Current debt at full price? Because I suppose the question is, if you know they ain't going to be able to pay it anyway, do, yeah. you, do you just let it go to pennies on the dollar and then pick it up? I mean, I look at this as I'm not really helping that family unless I went and actually paid their medical bill. And that sounds, I guess it's technically still the bill. I was going to say, it's still their bill, and so they just don't own it. They don't, it's, it's obviously been sold off as its original debt to a yeah. debt collector, but like... That means that their credit scores are no longer going to be affected by the debt. It's not going to be affecting them. I mean, they just won't have that that they have to pay. Maybe that's money they pay every month that they no yeah. longer have to I'm, pay. Like, it's still great. I mean, but it's just not great. It's not like uh, like the Tories Angels, where they're like your people are. The, yeah. It's an organization where people are incurring medical expenses, and Tories Angels is flat out just paying it. There it is, full right. price, yeah. and you're not yeah. worrying about it because yeah. I suppose at this point. There's probably a sense that 80% of this, or even probably 90, 95, was never going to get paid anyway. 
if it went to collection at pennies on the dollar, they weren't going to pay it. And so although right. there is a release of a, of, a, of a burden that you feel, even though you were never going to be able to do something about it, there is a good, that is a very positive thing. Uh, it is something slightly different than someone incurring medical expenses and you just paying it so like they right. didn't even have yeah. to carry it around to the point of pennies I, on the dollar. I have, a, I have a broader question. Okay. So I, I was thinking about this when I was a younger man and uh, threatening to be in collections for, for some things, right? And I thought, here's the deal. is like, I don't know how I feel about being put into collections and paying less than I owe. I feel like I legitimately owe you, you yeah. know, the whatever. And, like, you're willing, you say, look, I'm willing to forgive your debt for 10% of what you owe me. I'm like, but I owe you the full thing. And, like, I feel like I should pay the full thing. Well, generally, don't you still pay the, the full thing? It's just the hospital gets a portion, a smaller portion. The debt collector gets... To keep no, up. I don't know. No, you pay less. Yeah, they'll. It's just like when maybe I've never let it go that far. When before. you get overextended <laughs> yeah. on your credit cards, you know, every once in a while they'll be like, "Look, you owe us thirty-five grand. Look, it, you know, we'll take twenty, and then that's right. it. We're done, and yeah. we'll just call it what it is." And I think, and I thought to myself, if I ever let this go to collections, I feel like I still owe. I still owe that amount. Now, granted, if especially when it comes to medical debt, that's harder to take in because all that stuff is super inflated, ridiculous anyway. Right. You know, and then I'm like, well, now I'm just pumping money into a system just so they can do this to me again. This doesn't seem right. But like at the end of the day, I went and I owe the money, and so I I, I feel like I I shouldn't get away with not paying less. Yeah, I shouldn't be able to pay less because I because whether they will accept less or not is not my business. My business is I owe you thirty five grand and I got to pay it. I feel like that's fair. Well, uh, but here's the deal: is that uh, both of those are capitalism, right? The, 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 you racked up the money. Uh, they don't have to agree to settle for less. They've offered to. Uh, you know, th- th- they have the ability to do so. Yeah, but my, uh, I mean, is it, isn't that kind of like an integrity thing? Like, uh, I, I did the thing that cost thirty-five grand, and so I'm, I'm agreeing to pay for it by doing the thing. I mean, here's the thing: Do you, when you go to a, uh, you ever got a good deal on something? No. I pay full price. Yes. Retail. <laughs> Every time. And right. plus. Every yeah. garage sale, you're Rich looking it. it up on eBay and saying, sir, you've underpriced that yeah. buy. <laughs> this I is thirty seven dollars $47.50 is what I should pay. And for every trash day in which you took stuff home, you knocked on the door and <laughs> gave them 50 bucks. I participated in <laughs> That's what I thought. many of them. Yeah. Okay, I get everything for free. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't pay no. We just picked up a free piano like five months ago. Yeah, this worked out great. <laughs> and, 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 and remember, when we went to go pick up that piano, the guy was glad to be rid of it, and he's glad that it went to a place that was going to use it, right? Right? Yeah, it was great. And so you didn't insist on paying more than what he was willing to do. It's what he was willing to do. Yeah, but I didn't. It, but but we made an agreement based on the premise that it was free. Where I, the the deal I made with the hospital was, you fix my leg, I give you thirty thousand uh, dollars. Yeah, but and the, now I'm reneging on the deal and saying I ain't going to pay you the thirty except ten. Uh, yeah, so so here's the deal. Except though. less, or I'll give you nothing. That's that's basically what I'm saying. Uh, I mean, they're also allowing you to fit, like borrow later in life because they agreed to do it. I, that's the thing is like I don't think you need – you should pay your bills. It takes integrity to pay your bills, right? But yeah. like it's in situations where, you, where what you predicted to happen doesn't occur and your situation changed, you're not the only impact. And so eventually – and it'll take – I mean, they'll try to squeeze you for the entire amount for quite a while. But as it persists, they'll try to cut their losses. And there's a whole business. There's people that are employed working in that market. I – I don't think it's a deal. Because oh, here's the thing: is if you now try hold on on that logic, that means I could I should get I should overdose myself on drugs because there's people in the drug recovery area making money. Uh, they can do other things. There's people hooked on stevia. So 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 can the people in hooked the deck collection. Stevia. Yeah, <laughs> that's a. I'm just saying that's a bad example. You just bet. because it keeps people working is not a good reason to facilitate <laughs> something. I bad. would agree with Ben's first premise of yes, you should pay your bills. So, but 
when Shanna was born, we had dropped our maternity insurance because we figured we were done with children. And uh, so we had a good bill because then suddenly she came. And, and we, there was a, it was a struggle for us, right? I mean, we, we, they tried to get us on government assistance, and I said, nope, I'm going to pay. You know, I make the bill, I'm going to pay it. And uh, the whole thing, the baby's born, we're paying that, chipping away at it here and there, paying little by little. Uh, it's, it's a major stress in our life, but, it, but, but we're paying it, you know? Yeah. And I go in one day, and they're like, oh, someone came in and paid that for you. I was like, I still have the receipt in, in a, a, a notebook. Yeah. Where I still do my finances from this notebook. And it's just like... Who did it? Well, they won't tell. I mean, it's like, that, that's what I think that's of awesome. when, I, when I hear that. That, that, was a, that was a complete blessing specifically to our family saying, here is your medical bill. We just paid it for you. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's what I always thought of. Then I dig deeper and I was like, wait a minute. Because I, I, I would have been like, eh. I mean, I still would have been grateful, but it's different than yeah. if yeah. like they sent us the collections. I'm like, I don't care. I'm not answering your phone call anyway. Blah, blah, blah. You know what? You know what's probably cool and without, without maybe much thought is, is that hopefully – uh, God's people are doing exactly what someone did for you, and we just have no idea. Yeah, we don't even yeah. know I mean, about nobody it. Nobody knows that, yeah. right? But 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 then you know, other folks are paying uh, what is equal to fifty fun some million dollars, you know, and we're like, oh, those guys are great, you know. Like most people who are doing that stuff and doing it with the with the right hand, not knowing what the left hand's doing, you don't even know they did it, right? They just did it, and that's it. It's never a deal. Boy, I bet that was cool, Dan. It was amazing. I bet that was eating up your tax returns for. <laughs> Forever. I, oh, I mean, it oh, the baby. Never mind. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> yep. It was. It was just. A, I mean, that was like a, a, a God moment uh, that uh, was really, really cool. And, and and that's not to take away from what they're doing. No, but, no. but it's not the same. Yeah, see, we sound very curmudgeonly in this conversation. Like, oh, do you know these guys and stuff? Uh, I mean, they're still doing a very generous thing. It's something that they yeah. did not have to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but it does bring up, I think, uh, an opportunity to even think about doing something like that. Uh, is that yeah? There's there's places where you can go to that RIP medical debt and help pay off debt, and that's good. Um, there are uh, very uh, there's probably opportunity around you to be a blessing like people were to you and your family yeah. in that situation. Absolutely. Yeah, and you would. I mean, th- so that's what's interesting. You got to be close enough to someone to know that they didn't have insurance, right? Because uh, like I, I would just assume most people I know. Well, I don't know. It shook out. I, I think we paid we paid cash for. All of our births, actually, like none of my none of my kids were like four kids, and like none of them were covered by insurance, and so like we had to pay cash for a lot. I had to borrow for a few for at least two of them. Yeah. Um. But like, you, I, generally speaking, I look out and I just assume people had insurance and they had a baby and whatever. Yeah. And so I suppose yeah. that you get close to people, you find stuff like that out, you find find ways to help. Interesting. Well, so uh, uh so <laughs> overall, take what were you yawning, boo, or do you have a? No, I'm. L- Laughing. Uh, <laughs> Sounded like, no. sound like you fell off a real small cliff. Uh, <laughs> He's reading the book over there. Uh, oh, Jack and Jill. Uh, no, that's not what happened. I laughed at the situation because I realized that literally um, it just now hit me that you pay for babies. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I thought my so, part was done a long time ago. I'm so dumb. <laughs> like, my brain went, wait a minute. What are we talking about? I paid cash for these babies. And I'm like, hold up. You go to a hospital to have uh. a kid. Of course you're going to Oh, man, hey, so. we negotiated everything. With, with Shanna, we went in and they said, we're going to get you some Tylenol, some Tylenol. And Cheryl's like, we got our own. They're like, you can't do that. We're like, we're friends with the doctor. She said, yes. And we saved probably... 
50 bucks on three Tylenol. I mean, you know. Yeah. I'm a salesperson yeah, right. by heart. Don't tell me this. These doctors are going to hate me when I have I'm kids. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> is, is that a bad thing as a, as a father to go, hey, baby, can we look at home birth then? <laughs> like, uh, it's not cheaper. Like when I say what? I paid for my births, I paid for home births. What? I'm, I'm over four kids. I'm uh, tw- over $20,000 in mm-hmm. for four kids. Wait, uh, why, do you, why do you pay for a home birth? Well, because you're still, there's still medical professionals there. His to, wife charges to, rent. To monitor yeah. you. you bring in a doula. <laughs> yeah, like they still bring in oxygen yeah, to your place, and they're still hanging out while you're birthing kids. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that stuff. Like I, the only thing I've hey, ever man, heard of is the basic you, concept. You can't of like, give birth in a closet. Hey, we had we had a baby in a bathtub. I mean, the, like, is that not a thing? No, that's a thing. But medical professionals are still there. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. There's well, a lot that can go go wrong. Oh, agreed. Yeah. That's why I've always kind of thought, man, that's crazy. You're doing a home birth. I guess I just didn't know that you had a a medical professional. Yeah, they're still there. there. The midwives and stuff are still oh. there, and generally they'll bring a nurse. So you have a nurse and you have a nurse midwife, and they're there for you know. I mean, whatever, it makes six, seven sense. Hours. It makes plenty of sense. I've just never really thought about it. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And so, all right, cool. Thanks, fellas. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to having kids within the next couple of years. So you've I'd got probably... to get the insurance. It's just it, it really makes life easier. Oh yeah. All right, oh, big man. pause. Yeah, I do need to. Get- All right, you're listening live from the path. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, let's again. Hey, that was an awkward pause. If you hate it, just go call the complaint line five one five five one seven zero zero eight five. Hey, another thing to do uh, in case you take us in on a legitimate podcasting uh, area like Spotify or uh, iTunes or whatever, uh, leave a review of the show. And uh, I, you know, I, it's debatable as to whether that helps the that, show that's out. That's risky, or not. but it is helpful for us yeah. to know. It's like a complaint line, but at the tip of your finger, Ugh. you can give it the old one star and say, "I listened." And it was awful. And we say, well, thanks for tuning in. So uh, I, I've, I've actually seen a couple uh, podcasts, or maybe they're apps, right? Like, well, like the fourth time you open it, this thing will pop up and says, give us five stars now. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Just as long as you don't drag me away and make me do it in a separate app, I'll greet anything right now if you'll take this pop-up out of here. <laughs> yeah. I did not expect that from you. Yeah. Because uh, even I'm like, I'm not going to give you anything. No, I love That it. just irritates me. No, they're like, <laughs> because they don't say what star rating would we give. They're like, give us five stars. I'm like. Yeah, okay, just yeah. don't take me to the app store again. I'm, I'm surprised you're that impressionable in that situation yeah. as, yeah. as well. Yes, sir. That, yes, sir. I'm no busy. other part of your life <laughs> yes, are you in a place where you go, hey, you want me to do something, and it's very structured? Got it. Yeah. That is I, never a mic move. It. Are we following rules today? I'm in. <laughs> I will do whatever you have laid out for me, app. Wow. <laughs> Uh, start texting a new much more structured responses. It is a new world. <laughs> what a what a time to be alive. <laughs> so, uh, so my family and I went on a vacation. Uh, it's kind of a vacation. So I was gone last week, and uh, I had like work for two days. Monday, Tuesday, I was supposed to be in Hartford, Connecticut, for some kind of uh, it was a meeting, whatever. Um, and then, uh, but we decided I was going to fly there, and I flights for like four hundred fifty bucks. I'm like, well, this will be all right. Uh, but then my, my wife goes, hey. We want to go. I'm like, you want to go? <laughs> we want to. You want to go to Hartford, Connecticut? She's like, yeah. I said, okay. Uh, and we're gonna have to drive because we're gonna have to take the van there and put all the kids in it. I'm like, you wanted to drive to Connecticut at the end of February? Like, I mean, this is dicey behavior. You could end up on all kinds of weird stuff going on. And she goes, yeah, yeah. We, I mean, the kids want to do it. I said, fine. So. It's it's like twenty hours That's there. What I'm saying. It's got to be pushing that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We were in the car for forty hours over the last week. Uh, and so, and we kind of, to, to make the trip worth it, we left a little early. We left on like a Friday, uh, and we got to Cleveland, thumbs up. Uh, we got to Cleveland in one day, and then so that we'd have time to make our way to the, that Hershey, um, 
the Hershey plant in uh-huh. Hershey, Pennsylvania. Been there. Okay, that was kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, you got you know you go through a little tour and you sit in a cart and they sh- they sh- fake show you how the chocolate gets made and stuff. You turn uh, the levers and yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and uh, I mean they had all kinds of cool merchandise and stuff in there. They also had things like four different things where you could go like make your own chocolate bars and stuff. But it was like forty bucks a ticket. It wasn't even close to reasonable. Like I I, I would have been like sixteen bucks. That's expensive, but you might be able to convince me. But forty bucks a ticket seemed outlandish. Uh, we also went to um, uh, Independence Hall, like where they signed the Declaration oh, of Independence yeah, yeah. and where the Constitution was drafted. Uh, and that was pretty cool. And what else was out there? There was uh, and Valley Forge. We went to go to visit Valley cool. Forge. I've not seen that. Uh, Boo, have you been out there? No, I haven't. Every time I go out there, I usually just stay around the Pittsburgh area because I'm there with my fiance. We don't leave and go anywhere. You could go to Valley Forge. <laughs> Well, it, uh, agreed. We just, it, it's not it's really famous. a sightseeing no, I understand. thing. It's I, all about like, hey, let's sit on the couch and just spend time together. Let's well, look at each okay. other. I mean, I, you know, I don't know about your relationship problems. So, <laughs> I anyway. Don't what, I don't know what happened at battle at, at Valley Forge. Uh, so, th- there was no battle. Uh, it's, it's where they, uh, it's Great where the painting. It's where the army um, basically a, um, set up shop for the winter. Um, and it was devastating. Like it was, it was freezing cold. Like people often, I, I didn't realize there was a, there was show, there's an, an educational movie that was made in 1986 that they show. And, uh, apparently like the different regiments that were sent from the different states, because it wasn't a national army yet, they were like contributing soldiers from states. Um, some were very well provisioned like the Connecticut. Uh, and some were not, uh, I believe one of the Carolinas, <laughs> like, they they wouldn't uh, and so like the Connecticut guys had like nice warm boots and big coats and whatever and the guys from South Carolina had nothing like they didn't have any shoes on and they were like people were dying all over the place people were catching colds uh, they said that I think they lost like two thousand men over the over the winter that was at Valley Forge is that the one that was like we fired our guns and the British kept coming no there what? wasn't near as many as there was a while this, ago this is the one where they crossed the river and George Washington's up. On his knee, you know. Uh, the crossing the Delaware, but that was not related to Valley Forge. Oh, but it sounded, in my mind, it was great. Right war. Oh. Hey, <laughs> I love my own history. Are we just going to keep saying the wrong things for Valley Forge, Ben? <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's where uh, that guy <laughs> gave up that thing that says a fort that's named after pencils, right? Right, right. Zombie outbreak started. Four score seven years ago. Four score <laughs> and, and 20 leagues ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is that down down Mississippi the to the Gulf of Mexico. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. One. Anyway, so we're in Pennsylvania. We're, we're, in, we're in Pennsylvania. This story sucks. I, I'm getting there. <laughs> this is really long. I guess. <laughs> there was a point to this. Yeah. Oh, this makes me so happy. No, we need to keep going with this fake history thing. This is great. We were in Philadelphia. Our schools have failed us. We go to Philadelphia after we saw the Independence Hall and stuff. That's where George Washington. Somebody, <laughs> somebody you know who's from there said, "Look, you got to get the cheesesteaks." We said, "Fine." There's apparently two cheesesteak joints in Philadelphia. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Geno's and Pat's. Okay, and so I I decide, hey, we're going to Geno's because that sounds more legit than Pat. That's exactly what I would have done. Okay, so but so we're, so we're driving down there and driving through Pennsylvania, Philadelphia is really difficult because like the streets are narrow, they're made for horse and carriage, yeah. and they're parked on both sides of the road, and so and the, and they're super tight parked. There's no spaces anywhere, and the guys are parked so close to the stop sign that I don't know whether they're waiting at the stop sign or they're parked there. And so every time I get to stop sign, I gotta like look into the car window to see if there's anybody in it before I decide to go. So we, we get to Geno's, and what I didn't realize is these two competing cheesesteak places were across the street from each other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, which was a way more exciting proposition to me, because then I thought they're probably yelling at each other, right? Like, they're like, Geno sucks. <laughs> Come to Pat's. You suck, Pat! Like, what, like, that wasn't what was going on. So anyway, I, I dropped my – there's nowhere to park anywhere around this place. Yeah. And so we pull into this back alley, 
and I let my wife out. That's a great idea. I know. <laughs> That's a wonderful decision. And I let my wife out. What? Okay. She wanted got that. worse. She wanted, that was her choice. Yep. She was going to go get him. That's a good idea, Ben. So I, I give my wife a bunch of money, and I send her out to Philadelphia. <laughs> in a back cash alley. in the air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, waving, sweetheart, this is the cash I have for you. Here. Mid- midway between the fault line of Gino and Pat. <laughs> she goes, and she's gone for maybe 15 minutes. I'm ready to bust. I said, look, I've already, she's already gone. She's a gone. It's a done deal. Me and the gone. me and the kids are heading back home if we have to. If there's any trouble, <laughs> so she shows up and she's got to sandwiches and she looks at me. She says, "Ben, you'll never guess what happened." I said, "What do you mean? What happened?" She goes, "Uh, she was stay waiting next to a guy who was ordering stuff and he was telling a story about meeting the Pope." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'll never guess <laughs> what the guy said. He said that he had run into the Pope here in Iowa. He well, was another Iowan, and he had run into the Pope. There's My wife a lot was, of Pennsylvanians and Iowans that like they transplant it, it together. Happens. It's crazy. You never know what happens. So when she says, she says the guy was telling the story about having met the Pope, and that he heard that the Pope winters in Iowa. And I said, that's a that's a crying shame. There's no way that that's actually true. And uh, oh, truth be told, she got through the whole story, and the guy has mistaken Buva for the Pope again. Oh man, oh, that and, is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Times. Outlandish, right? And so uh, I I, th- I didn't think anything of it until I got in back into town, and I heard multiple people saying the same thing. Like the word had gotten around, and people had actually showed up to Buva's apartment plex, and uh, now refused to leave. Until he gives them like something like the Pope would do, and so we, it's a Pope some kind of advice that the Pope would give when he walks out on the balcony uh, or veranda of of his apartment complex where he winters in Iowa. And so, Buva, what what did you tell him? I told them that we derailed you in that Pope style breakdown like four times. It was already was long. Great. This is your fault. This is <laughs> wonderful. It took us fifteen minutes to get here. Um, he, he's gotten the coronavirus by now. Yeah, exactly. Pope's Pope's gone, guys. Um, so this is what I had to tell them to get off my lawn. So um, the Holy Spirit has completely ripped me apart from money in the last like two weeks. Um, and so my advice to them was to let them know that they need to shut up about money for the most part. <laughs> uh, so my situation has been kind of crazy the last eight, ten months. And I've, you know, left a job and I've been unemployed and I've been uh, working in a position that I didn't really feel was like what I was supposed to be in. And I've been praying to God and asking him to direct my path and, and, and be in the right place and making certain that I'm staying where he's at. And this is all uh, coupled with uh, plenty of situations in which I've prayed about pride that I have um, and prayed about trust that I don't have for God and it it all came to a serious spearhead today. Um, and so I recognize that my faith has grown a lot within the last year, and I'm, I'm incredibly thankful for that. And just some crazy stuff's happened, but I still just, I'm terrible about trusting God. Like straight up honest trust and like understanding that my financial situation is not scary to God. It's not. It's not crazy. Like, I, my bills do not scare him. Uh, the things that I'm committed to do not scare him. The aspirations that I have do not scare him when it comes to an economical perspective or an economic perspective. It's not a bunch of money. And even if it was, he's God. He's got it all. Like, he controls all of it, right? And so this has kind of culminated to where, like, I, I was making good money at one job, and then I was just in the wrong spot, and I was doing the wrong things, and I was living in, in a place where... You know, I was surrounded by, I was living in cesspools, man. I mean, it really was. And God called me from that. 
And it took a lot of trust for me to go, okay, fine. I want to follow your heart and I want to follow your will and your way. If that means I got to leave this job, great. And so I did. And I even thought to myself, man, I can't wait for this better job. And my brain went, better obviously means I'm going to be making more money. Why would God call me to make less money? That doesn't make sense. Well, yeah, it does. <laughs> it it makes plenty of sense. Uh, and that's exactly what's happened. I, I got called to be unemployed for a while. And I'm like, I don't have enough money to pay my bills. Like, what am I going to do with this? And God kept showing up and going, dude, trust me. Like, I'm going to take care of you, whether it was through other Christ followers and believers that were helping me out or whether it was from random money or things I knew I had spent money on but for some reason didn't come out of my account, and I always had enough. I always had enough. And so fast forward a month, and then I got a job, and it, 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 I, I started making significantly less money than I ever had. And, like, I always had enough. Always. It was never a thing. Like, I made a fraction of what I made before. Ironically, and before, I thought I didn't have enough money. When I was making more than twice what I'm making now, I always thought to myself, man, I need to make more money. But now, same bills, a fraction of the money that I make, I'm fine. And then, so this all culminated to today, I was really excited because I got a big sale at work. Um, and I get commission on the sales that I get. And it was literally like, it was a full week for me. And I only technically work part-time, um, because the company that I work for doesn't have enough to, to pay me full-time most of the time, unless I'm doing certain things. And so I, I really work part-time for the most part, but I got a full week and I'm like, yes, I got a full 40 hours this week. And I got this huge commission check coming and I'm like super excited about that. And then I got taxed a bunch. And of course that's going to happen. And I expect that, but like my brain went, I worked my butt off last week and I got this big check and all I have to show for it was a moderately similar check to what I used to make. Like I worked my butt off to get this and all I've got is what I used to make on a weekly basis. And so my brain went, why did God call me from that? Why did God call me from a place where I was economically comfortable and doing okay to leave in that? Like, why would he do that? And I had this real woe is me crap attitude. Like, I just, and I'm mad at myself for having it. And I've, I've been praying about it all day because it was just the wrong spot, spot to be in. And so I'm sitting there, I'm like, all right, God, I need to figure this out. Like, I need to come to you with this because this is a blessing. Like, this is a blessing that you've given me. You've given me a huge check in comparison to what I've had before. And my first thought is, man, I miss what I used to have. Even though I knew that I'd left that place because... I needed to leave the cesspools that I was working in and I was following God's will. And here I am again being fickle and being, you know, lukewarm and going, man, I just wish I made more money. Mm. And not once did I think to myself, I'm like, no, I need to trust Jesus in this. And like the funny thing is, and it was pointed out to me on the way here, God gave me exactly what I needed. I have enough money to pay my bills exactly and then pay off a huge debt that I have. That is huge. That is enormous. And it's freeing and it's awesome. But my fickle heart decided to think about it from from a crappy perspective and go, man, I really wish I made as much much money as I used to. If I could only go back there, even though I know it's the wrong place to be, even though I know God called me away from there, it was a Holy Spirit move, and I'm in a cesspool when I'm there. All I could think about was this money. And so I keep asking God to show me how to trust him. And he keeps showing me how to trust him. But I keep straight up going back to wishing that I could do it on my own. And that's really what it boils down to is I don't – sometimes I don't want to have to need him. And it's an incorrect way to look at my relationship with him. 
And there's there's years of of back stuff that I can talk about when it comes to that. It's not important, but like my brain goes, I like to not be to not need people. But like in the last five hours, I've been thanking God for needing him. And it's a weird spot for me because I'm not used to that. But like since I started existing off of my trust for him, my faith and my relationship with him has exploded. It has grown. It has become so amazing. And I'm so happy to be in the place where I am right now. My life is is going a crazy way. Like financially, it's insane. Whatever. But like I, I'm with my fiance that I'm in love with and I'm so excited to be starting a new life with her. I've got my stuff taken care of. I have a car that barely runs, but it still runs. It does what it needs to do. I have an apartment. I got a roof over my head. I got clothes. I got food. I don't go hungry. The Lord provides for me perfectly. He may not be providing to me to the point that I'm rich, but he's providing to me that I'm rich in the right ways. Like I don't have a bunch of money, but I've got him. And man, that struck me like a friggin' hammer today. Is like I'm thirsting after him most of the time. But sometimes I fall back into, all right, God, I feel like we're in a good place. I'm going to take it from here. <laughs> I don't need to trust you anymore. Thanks for, thanks for building that trust with me. I don't need to anymore. I've got this. And that's kind of when I get hit with a, no, that's not what this looks like. There's not a place where I'm going to bless you to the point where, like, you never have to trust me anymore. I want you to trust me. And I want you to need me. And, like, I'm going to give you what you need. And that's what's going to happen. And not saying I'm never going to have money and I'm never going to be in a place where I have don't live paycheck to paycheck. I'm not worried about that. But like we read Luke 6 uh, a couple weeks ago in church. We're, we're, we're reading through that and it's the Beatitudes. And I had this weird revelation where I'm like, for some reason, my prosperity in Christ for the last 10 years of my relationship with him has been seated in the fact that maybe someday I won't be financially worried anymore. But never once is that actually said. Never once does Jesus say, hey, you're going to be rich economically, and that's how you know I'm there. It's kind of the exact opposite. And there's a lot of cultural stuff, and there's a lot of things going on that says, like, the blessed are those who are poor is not just an economical thing. But, like, I keep thinking that my relationship with God is going to lead me to being rich. And that's just not true. And it's not something I should be focused on or care about. I need to make sure that I'm rich in the spirit and rich in a place where my 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 belongings and my my riches are are rooted in him and are rooted in my relationship with Christ and how that looks. I'm told constantly to not care about what I have here, but for some reason my brain constantly goes back to it. And so to wrap this up, if you find yourself in a place where you think that that the culmination of your relationship with Christ will be in, in riches here. You're in a rough spot because that's never promised. That's never said that it's going to happen, nor should it be what you want. Your riches need to be rooted in the kingdom of Christ, not in the kingdom that you create here. So yeah, uh, reevaluate what you think about money seriously. And don't just say those words, figure out if it's a problem where you're not trusting God and understand that follow him and he's going to give you what you need. I think you've hit on a very prescient con concept that I, I don't think I fully, until you started talking about it, that I have applied f 
fully enough, which is the notion that uh, the belief that our success is largely um, indicated by our level of control. So, it, so money is is one element of that, right? Like to the extent that I have money, it gives me a means of control, and we would say I am successful because I can control something. But you, people feel the same way when you think about the type of job that you have. The yeah. more control that you have over your work situation, the more successful it feels like you are. That's why people want to be the boss. They have some level of control. And so think about how many places in your life that actually applies and how many places that you're fighting for a sense of peace that is completely tied to your personal ability to control something. I feel like that's probably a lot more than I would readily admit. If I really sat down to think about it, I would say I'm, I'm not worried about this particular fire over here under more, anymore because I have this under control. Yeah. And so, hey, my kids aren't, aren't misbehaving. I have that under control. No one's, no one's having to pay off my medical debt. I have that under control. And so the very notion, um, it's, an, it's, it's, it's a burden that can never be fully lifted and that you will – you will forever be frantic about trying to take control of situations that is that are not you do not have the ability to control yeah. um, and the biggest blindness think think of think of how um uh, some of the richest and most powerful people in the world get taken down by scandal after scandal it's because it was a false notion that they had the ability to control themselves when they had the ability to something that they had un that they felt like that was within their power they misused because ultimately they were dominated by their lust for somebody else or lust for more money or some they were still being controlled by something else and so i, I think the, the the broad notion then is when we talk about um rethinking money I wonder if it's right just to elevate it up and say, look, we need to rethink how we th think about control. Yeah, that's fair. How much I have under my own control and say, the world is on fire in some places. God is still under control. Um, it, my, this comes back to a lot of conversations we've had in this studio about trying to help people who don't respond to it. The frustration we find is the lack of control. I can't force this person to respond the way that they should. And it eats at you. It grinds at your life because you want that part under control. But it wasn't ever yours to control to begin with. The false sense was that you could make decisions on, other, on somebody else's behalf. And so think of how often that contributes to burdens on us that don't belong there because we felt like we want, needed to get it under control when it was God's to it was God's responsibility. God is going to have to handle those types of things. Right. Um, and, and, it, and it's not because people, it's not because you're trying to dominate a situation. It's just sometimes the way that we see peace is tied to how much we know that it's not going to blow up. And, and trusting in a sovereign God is, um, is heavenly security, but it's earthly risky business. It's going to feel like you're taking risks. Just, Buva, just like your situation, right? Like the one that says, I walked away from a job that paid x and now i'm going to make half x that seems like a, that's a worldly risk okay it's it, but it's but it's a, a heavenly security because you're, if we're trusting god to say i for, for whatever reason and mechanisms i know he has me in this situation um it is not completely under my control i don't feel peace because i have it under control i have feel peace because god has it under control um and, and it doesn't mean that you can't ever have situations in which you were financially secure from a worldly perspective. Right. Uh, because, frankly, financial security allows you to then help people who are not financial secure. Okay. 
there's you you could be that but just like um i wonder how much of of my ability to lay down at night and sleep peacefully is related to my own sense of situations that i have under control as opposed to fully trusting that god otherwise has things under control i i, I guess i speak about this so long because i feel like as i'm saying this out loud and moving as hear you talk about it I, i'm guessing that's a deficiency in my life more than i i probably admit so actually that's funny because uh it it more hits the the nail on the head than I think most most honest uh, followers of Christ um, don't fall into the using God as a genie category, right? But they do use him as a weightlifting partner, right? Where where God's behind them, getting oh. ready to grab the bar from you in right. case you, you've got it too heavy. And you don't want him in there trying to grab the bar beforehand. You want to <laughs> try to hustle it out. You know, but, but then when it gets too heavy, you're like, okay, God, I, I can't get this back up on the bar, right? And and like I said, most faithful followers of Christ that I know would never put themselves as God as the genie category because I wouldn't do that, um, not realizing that I'm certainly the weight in the weightlifter category. Certainly, right? Like even the even the car, right? Like even the car. It's it's you're looking for you don't really care that the car is fancy or clean or but you want control of how you get to work. I want to know that if I leave in 20 minutes, I will be there in 20 minutes. Right, yeah. I don't have any control of that. Your car's a crapshoot. You get in there, you, it's like going to the casino. You may make it, you may not. Right. <laughs> you know, no idea. Are you rocking, <laughs> smiling either way? You're like, I don't know, man. Uh, maybe I got to jump this thing. It's the, that kind of stuff. Like, it just leads you to a different life. Like, it leads you yeah. to going out to that car an hour before you have to leave and going, I at least got to know. <laughs> that, way, that way I got to I got to plan my day accordingly on whether or not this car is going to work today. The funny, you guys are talking about that, and the only story I can think of is Lot's wife. And God leaving me a message. He's like, do you remember that time I said... Like with the flood, that I wouldn't turn people into salt no more? No, I don't remember that. Yeah, I didn't say that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right. So so me trying to take control of this thing and then go back to Sodom, that's what you're saying to me? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I still turn people into salt. <laughs> you're, you're living on grace, buddy. <laughs> Man, I, I'm, a, I'm a control freak, right? I, I really don't come across that way usually. I come across as the goofy guy who's not paying attention and doesn't really know what's going on. But man, I'm a control absolute freak. And yeah. if I'm not in control of a situation, it, it puts me in a tailspin. I, I mean, absolute tailspin. I, I will lose sleep. I will, uh, every emotion possible as I try to g- regain control. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and it, so you work on that the rest of your life. Sorry, buddy. Uh, yeah. 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 Because uh, I, pr- I probably act like I'm not in control most of the time because I'm trying to convince myself, hey, dude, God's in control. <laughs> but I'm still holding on. Yeah. I'm holding on. But, I mean, I'll take most of it if, you know, God's, yeah. if God's offering. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I've been praying on this for a really long time. Is And it, whether or not I understood the ex- the full extent of what I was praying on is is up for, for argument. But I'm realizing that the like the less control I have, and that's a great way to put it, Ben, the less control I have, the better it is. Like, literally, every single time I stop freaking out about stuff, stop worrying about stuff, stop trying to control it, and start letting God just handle it and actually trust him to do this for me. I, there's so many friggin' verses and so many stories that we have to look back on in his word that allow us to understand that, like, his trust has never failed. He has never failed once there's not a single story where he failed. It doesn't happen. He's undefeated. And I have to remind myself of that sometimes because, like, even in the last six months, I can tell you a dozen stories that would not have worked without God completely handling it, 100%. My handling it doesn't do anything. Him handling it fixes it entirely. Yet, 
I still today have worries of like my immediate thought when I got a huge check wasn't father. Thank you for handling the situation. Thank you for giving me exactly what I need. I was like, man, if I was living in sin still and in a cesspool, I could be doing better. Yeah, I could be back in Sodom me? within a half hour. Yeah, exactly. like, <laughs> totally if only we were back in Egypt. Right, yeah. it, right, ex- and that's exactly it. Yeah, and and I I'm I'm exactly fickle like Israel was, and 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 that's exactly who I am, and I'm I'm so much like the Israelites in that, and it just it kills me because you know you read the Old Testament, you go, why are you guys turning from God? <laughs> like what? Yeah, exactly. It's like, hey, you put up Asherah poles again, you're gonna rip those down in like forty years. What are you guys doing? Like, stop. You're ridiculous, right? But that's exactly where I'm at. I'm super fickle in that, even though God has never failed me. Well, well the thing is, though, you say that like He's never failed me, and I know where you're. I know where you're coming from. I know what you mean. Yeah. But then you look at Scripture. Well, well yeah. I, I mean, Stephen probably thought like he kind of things went sour right yeah i mean there's plenty of stories where like god won but people died oh no it, or, you know exactly. people yeah. failed miserably yeah, no, god's or, failure doesn't get tied up in and like, that's where I'm that's richer. where our faith gets oh, like agreed, am yeah. i in one of, am i oh the stone's about to come and fly at me and that's what hit is me this too, it? Is, okay. and, yeah. and that's why reading through luke 6 and reading yeah. through the beatitudes kind of punched me in the gut was yeah i keep i keep telling myself my own prosperity gospel of if i do this correctly now if i just get to a point where i trust god now in in the moment now, well, in a year I won't have to worry about this, and that's such crap. Like yeah, that's right. not true. <laughs> right. I'm setting myself up for future failure because I'm going. All right, God, I'm super. I think I've got. I think I've got it now. I think I trust you enough now. Can I now get another job? Yeah. Is it now time for me to get a better job where I'm getting paid more? Is it now time for me to do this? Are you going to gift me a new car? Whatever. And that's so not true or how it works. I, it, it would be great because it would sound awesome in this earthly domain, right? But, like, I have to shift my mind to rarely am I thinking about the scale of what riches am I gaining in heaven by what I'm doing right now. Rarely do I sit down and think to myself, how am I working in the kingdom of heaven in my daily versus how am I so worried about what am I going to do tomorrow when it comes to my money? How am I going to pay my bills? Am I more focused today in the work that I know is necessary because there is work to do? Or am I, am I spreading the gospel of Christ and am I living that life out through my, through my actions, through my financial decisions and things like that, through my trust with him? Or am I so worried about how am I going to pay my bills at the end of the month that I miss every opportunity to actually be a worker in the kingdom of Christ today? And that's where I find myself in a scary place. If I'm more worried about tomorrow and less worried about what's happening Christ kingdom style today, well, then I'm in a wrong place entirely. And I need to completely change my thought process of let God worry about that. You've got today. You've got work to do. There is not time for you to sit here and worry about financial stuff. You need to be going out and working actively in the kingdom of Christ. Yeah, and I think it's that's... Um, I I guess so. Ultimately, when you think about it, hey, what, what am I worrying about today? Or like, if my situation changed, I will worry about it less. The, one of the core premises here is that uh, not, we shouldn't be worrying about it at all, right? Like, yeah, uh, because it, with the situation change implies some level of regaining control. When right. I control more, then I will be less worried. Right. And and God's basically saying that's exactly where you're at right now. Your worry <laughs> is relative to your ability to control. None of which has you saying, "Trust me in the way I view the world." Yeah. Uh, as opposed to you and the way you view the world or the value that the world itself brings. So what I, I, I gave a, I gave an example to the kids about this, right? Like we were talking about, because I have animals at my house, right? Like donkeys and goats and stuff. And, and I said, um, because we were, we were talking about the, the blessed to be the poor. And I'm like, 
why, why does that make any sense, right? God wants you poor or whatever. <laughs> you don't take all your money away. And, and what I told him was, is like, I don't ever worry about my animals drinking poison water. Why? Because I give them water every day, right? And at the end of the day, you'd think, well, why don't I go ahead and just dig a, a pond or something, and then the animals can have water over there. And, and that's perfectly okay. Like, it makes a whole lot of sense. It's efficient, and uh, it keeps me from having to go down there and give them water all the time. Uh, but, but in retrospect, the worry is, is the animals, if they have their own water and they can get it themselves, they start to think, I don't really need Mike anymore, right? But they forget the fact that, like, I shoot the coyotes when they come in. I fix the fence so they don't run out into the, hall, into the highway and get nailed by a car coming by, right? Uh, I make sure that when the ground is frozen, uh, i got to feed the pigs because the pigs can't root anymore, right? Like all these things I'm thinking about and, 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 and looking on their behalf. And they're like, can't you just let us handle the water situation on our own? I don't need you here, right? And the big worry is, or the big thought process is, is, is basically what God's saying is, is like, I'll dig you the lake. I'll dig you the pond uh, so you can have it. But you... If I'm going to do that and it's going to cause you to think that you don't need me anymore, then you've lost. You've overall lost. And that's the, that's the destruction part, right? And so, like, because people take that in very poorly. Like, God's demanding that I have to be poor in this world to follow him. No, that's not what he's demanding. He's saying that you need to, you need to not sit in his chair. And so if you can let God be in God's chair uh, and you can handle drinking from the pond without him having to come down and bucket you every day, then great. If you need the buckets every day, that's great, too, as long as God gets to sit in God's chair and be what God is, right? But as soon as you decide that because you got the, the pond situation handled, then you don't need God here anymore, then that's when the coyote shows up. And you said, God, I don't need you no more, <laughs> right? But if you can drink from the pond and go, yeah, I don't really worry about coyotes. God's on the coyotes. God takes care of that stuff for me. God's in charge of the fencing and stuff or whatever. Uh, but he did dig us. He blessed us with this sweet pond, which is pretty cool. You know, but like all it is is perspective thing from God. God's a, an, an in some guy, right? He's an in some entity that goes, I am king and I am creator God. And I need you to remember that. And if you need me to give you water every day to know that from me, then great. I will certainly do that. That's the, probably the most gracious response uh, you could ever ask from a, a God entity. He's, you know what I'm saying? He's not requiring uh, that you go, oh, Oh, great Yahweh, every day and spend 35 hours on your knees and with candles and smoke and whatever. He just said, remember who I am. I told you who I am. I told you whose kingdom this is. If you need me to remind you every day, I am more than happy to do that. So, so completely unspiritual question here. Yeah. What, why do you have donkeys? Uh, I mean, I think it's cool, but like... One. <laughs> Donkey milk, Dan. I mean, what, what, what's, there's got to be a reason there's like... There must be a reason they have people have donkeys these days. Well, uh, generally they 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 will shoo at other bigger animals away. Yeah, that's like right? kind of so like we have. A, although here's the, the deal: it's like we had some foxes like uh, last summer. Uh, there a fox comes on the property, and these donkeys hightail it, leaving the sheep out there right by the fox. I'm like, <laughs> he, and here's the deal: I named the the donkey Enoch. He's supposed to walk with the Lord, and he doesn't. He walks by himself over there on the other side of the paddock <laughs> and leaves the sheep out there for the slaughter. I'm like. He's, these donkeys. <laughs> oh, so anyway, we have donkeys because they tend to keep the, they're supposed to be keeping the coyotes and, and the foxes at bay. But the sheep are so dumb. Holy cow. If you ever want to get a good biblical picture of humanity, get yourself some sheep. These are the dumbest animals. I mean, I ain't kidding you. Blank stare, dumb. Just will just put, put themselves in the worst possible situation that you've, I, I would invite you to come out to my house and hang around with these sheep and you will not believe how 
accurate of a portrayal humanity is. Yeah. Compared to these animals. I've spent time with those sheep. <laughs> I mean, dumb. they are just dumb. They are real dumb. <laughs> they are just, but they are super lovable and soft. Hey, man, can we so eat your donkeys? Dumb. What's that? Can we eat your donkeys? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'd prefer if you not eat Enoch. He's got another 300 years to walk with the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> he will be tough and gamey. <laughs> oh, man. No, I've heard donkey meat's like incredible. Really? Yeah, legit. Like that's It's supposed to be like one of the best meats ever. No, not even joking right now. Who are you talking some. to, Genghis Khan? <laughs> well, it's an Asia. <laughs> I mean, kind of you, are, you, cor- know that you are correct. <laughs> it is someone from Asia. But. Yeah, like in Africa. In, in China, they, they eat donkey a lot, actually. Hmm. I think that's where the coronavirus comes from. Yeah. It's from donkey? Donkey. Yeah. Oh, man. And worth it. It's what makes it tender. It's like 2% mortality rate. Worth it. Let's give it a shot. Now, actually, to finish up on my own example, I'm installing a whale. So I don't have to go down there <laughs> and bring buckets to those guys every Wait, day. Wait, are you, are you like hand digging your own well? Like no, those Cambodians have, on the YouTube? No, I have a well on a property. I just, it doesn't have a pump or nothing. So I got I to gotta put that stuff in. You need a well pump? Yeah. I bet the GovDeal's got one. That'd be weird. That's my, I'll talk about our personal business later. All right. Ready? <laughs> uh, dear Live from the Path. On a recent Saturday afternoon, two of my daughter's 13-year-old friends came to our house. My daughter answered the door, and after being denied access, both pushed their way in. During their stay, the girls were rude and disrespectful, going through the refrigerator and pantry and helping themselves to whatever they wished. Hmm. My wife and daughter repeatedly asked them to leave, but the girls laughed and ignored the requests. What do you suggest in an event such as this without getting physical, as my wife didn't have their parents' phone numbers? I was away on a work trip during all of this, disrespected in my home. What? What? You're what? being terrorized by two 13-year-old girls? Is that, what, is that the gist of what your problem is? Yeah. It seems like it. And these are friends of their daughters? Or supposed That's friends? That's how they were described. Two of my daughter's 13-year-old friends. Ah, come on. Does this sound like it really went down like this? No. Now, now hold on. I, let me tell you just a quick side story. So on my block, I, uh, last this last year, maybe it was two years ago, I was out doing work, and I think we're re-siding the house or whatever. And uh, th- th- everybody's gone uh, and some some girl from down the street came up and asked to, to if one of my daughters could come out and play. And I said, "Well, she's not here." And she goes, "I don't believe you. I want to go see." And I said, "No, you can't go into my house and see. She's not here. No one's home." And she goes, "I'm going to go check." And she walked up and she started walking to my house. I'm like, "Yeah, hey, you can't go into my house. I mean it. <laughs> Stay out of there." She goes, "No, I want to see if she's in there." It seems very consistent with the. The students my wife works with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. They just they what? whatever, whatever. They do whatever they want. Yeah, and I said, and, and so I said, hey, look, I'm not joking. You can't go in my house. And so I went in there and I locked the door to keep her from going in. And she just stood there and pounded on the door. And so I came back outside and I said, look, man, go go home. I need you to get away from my house. I, I got work to do. You can't just sit here and wait. And she goes, no, I, I think I'll wait. I think I'll stay here. I said, uh, and I, I'm like, I'm flabbergasted. I'm a yeah. grown man. Yeah. Right. And this right. is like a seven-year-old girl. And I'm like, what the heck am I supposed to do? Like, I, what, am I going to physically remove her from my property? Right. This then is, you get in trouble. That's right. And so I said, hey, look, man, uh, I need you to leave or I'm going to have to go get your mom. And then she can come and handle this. She goes, you don't even know where I live. And doggone it if she wasn't right. I did not know where <laughs> she lived. Uh-huh. I knew she was somewhere down the cul-de-sac. I would have had to knock on five doors to figure it out. And if I was her mom, I probably would be like, nah, I'd never seen her. Yeah. And so... I sympathize with this situation because... Our future is bleak. I, I, 
What you, what you do? It's it's just like it's flat out obstinance of yeah. which no matter what I was going to do, any action I took was going to look like I way overreacted. Right. I'm like, well, what? A, this little girl is tying me up here. What am I supposed to do? Hmm. My, I, wife, my wife seems to be able to deal with them. I, I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, I'd. I don't know. I feel like I got my hands tied behind my back. I would have you no idea. Call the police. I hate to say that. That's, that's literally that's what I was thinking the whole resort, time. I'm like, I don't want to be the guy that says call the cops, but like, what? They have to do else? that as a school. That's insane. They got to call the cops to deal with stuff. Oh yeah, I bet. Yep. Right. Yeah. They have no power to do anything, or they'll, they'll get sued immediately. The I mean, they, they could give a rip about yeah. and then to the police, and and then because they're because see, then their parents defend them. Right. Doing, yeah. Yeah. So. It's no longer. Oh man, that's crazy. This is a terrible situation. Think of the thing. This is what's holding society hostage. Because uh, really, I, I like normally I, I would have picked her up and moved her. <laughs> here, right? Yeah, get, exactly. Get away from my house. You can't be here. I will physically move you. But like, I mean, sure enough, you want to get on the paper. It's exactly local pastor physically m- removes child from his property. Property violently. I'm hosed. Ah. All I can think of is you have to call the police. If, if they're just going to do it anyway and you, they won't say no and you can't touch them, they know you can't touch them. Right. I, I, I honestly can't think of another. Here's the thing. is that like I know that there's a, there's, there's a thought. Uh, I, I'd like to say there's a path to friendship here where you can find a way to turn the situation so it doesn't end up that way. Uh, I believe I tried that in the situation I was in. Uh, like I tried to be nice. Uh, I tried to, to to be to be funny and to like you oh, know no. mess around and it just failed. What did you say? You said your line of where mercy extends uh, a little bit past unreasonable. I know. And you said God's is probably fifty feet past. That. I did say that, and I believe, I think that is true. So it doesn't mean that it's going to have physical effectiveness in this world, right? Because we talked about that same example could get you standing outside the courthouse buck naked twenty times in a row. So what I'm saying is, is like let, let's say. Uh, this is classic. This is built for Ben Foost. Uh, two people walk into your house and start raiding through your fridge and cause you all kinds of trouble. And Ben Foost says, well, uh, you know, you can't be wronged if you gave it to them. So just tell them they can have whatever they want in the fridge. Everything's fine. She wasn't looking to steal. You think I should let this girl hang out my house? She said she wanted to go in and check. Yeah, okay. What, so what is she going to steal? For, I mean, is that what you're worried about? She's going to walk out with a TV? No, I was worried about her staying in there. Well, I mean, what do you care? I'm because I'm at home by myself. Yeah, that's no, inviting not. a whole different. You're outside. She's in the house. You're outside cutting trees. Hey, you keep putting a little girl in your house. I'm just saying, like, I, yeah. it's a rough I, world. I totally get both sides of that. No, nope. I get where you come from, nope. Mike. I was also involved in that conversation, but I totally get where Ben's coming from. It's, Ben's had that conversation twenty times. He believes it to his core. I do. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Here's the thing: is that like. I, mm. You're so, I, no, yeah, you're, I don't know. You don't know. How, yeah, you're socially awkward, bro. I, that's true. <laughs> that's what you're. That's what you're worried about. You're worried about the social ramifications of stuff that hasn't even happened yet. But when it's, children rule the world, everything turns upside down. Yeah, and that's where we're at. I mean, I, yeah. here's the thing: they're still asking for your permission to go in their place, and you said, "Yeah." She was on. not going to do that. She was just going to go in. Yeah, I mean, so just like these, this just like these ladies. Yeah, let them in. Mm. What's the worst Interesting. That's gonna mm. yeah. What's the worst that's going to happen? A lot. What do you mean? Well, I suppose, I suppose to that extent, whatever the worst thing that does eventually happen, you can call the police then. Yeah, I mean, you're just you're 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 predicating this thing on something heavy. It hasn't happened yet. Now, Dan's uh, wife obviously been burned a lot more, so she, I mean, she lives in a constant situation of things going crazy. You, on the other hand, this has never happened to you. I mean, how many times you got to get the law called on you? 
How many times do you have to pharisaically build a fence 50 feet away from the bad thing that happened before you never go anywhere close to anything? You're right. Man. Here's the deal. Rough. You, it's right. <laughs> I, like, I totally I, I understand. That's true. There's a fear in there. There's a fear in there. I, it's, it's difficult because I don't know how legit it is. Maybe that's the deal. I don't know whether it's a legit fear or not. But that's a lot of power. Yeah, I suppose if there's a difference, that's giving a lot of power to a child who, who will not use it with any sense of discernment. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, practicality-wise, I don't know that I would handle it much differently. Hmm. I don't know. What do you do with a seven-year-old? I, I, I mean, you could pray that it's a boy, because I'll hit a boy, or pick him up and drag him out of my property. That's no problem. Hey, actually, man, Mike, still don't do that. Yeah, uh, especially if I know the boy. I have had actually, I've had greater success with annoying uh, seven-year-old dudes who have come over to my house uh, and are like picking up tools and crap. While I'm, I'm like under the car trying to fix something, and they're like whacking things with it. And I might say, hey, knock it off. <laughs> and they respond better. Yeah. 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 Yeah, this is a tough situation. So what's our, what's our advice? Call the police? I can't think of I really else. don't want that to be my advice. I don't either. <laughs> like, I, I'm very against saying the words call the police in this situation. But, like, I legitimately don't. I just I, I think there's a fear there also. But, like, also from the perspective of, like, I don't know what else I would do because if I make any moves towards anyone, and this is honesty because this is stuff we dealt with, I've dealt with before. Being a big guy in any situation that's either physical altercation and or verbal altercation, I am always looked at it as, as at fault. Yeah, because they think that what I should. This brute did. Yeah, exactly. They think that I should be in control of all situations at all times without having to exhort, exert in any way, shape, or form, and so I'm automatically looked at as the offending party. And can that's that's of, happened in my life multiple times. That you could do that would just make them want to leave. What if you call it was a Phil Collins night? Say good. I'm glad you girls are here. <laughs> We're gonna rock that out is to Phil Collins. Inventive and phenomenal. Yeah. Or it's skunk. Here's the deal. If yeah. anyone could We're probably talk their way out of it, I probably could. <laughs> this is our skunk air freshener night. Here we go. <laughs> we want to come through. Sweet. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I mean, I suppose. I suppose you could try to outweird them. Oh, yeah. I totally win that. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Use all the tools in your belt. Oh, man. I talk. Uh, th- yes. It's You're right. The show. I would yeah. talk them out of my house. I'd yeah. be like, here, let's talk about entropy. <laughs> hey, that's a great idea. You should start to evangelize. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? Hey, you're going to sure. be in here? Let's talk about Jesus. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Yeah. Yeah. I happen to have my flannel graph. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> This man. is why Fellas, I was. That is the answer. Yes. yes. This but, is why I would have tracks. I would get pamphlets yes. for this situation. I'm, I'm going to get that here. million dollar bill that, that we've left <laughs> at so many different uh, restaurants oh, no. as tips. Let me get oh. my grandma's big Bible out. This will be great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Take a seat. That's true. That's, this is the fail safe. Yeah, the you've one heard of thing- Pharisees. You've heard of Sadducees. Do you know anything about the Essenes? <laughs> this is the one thing that no one wants to listen to when they're yes. trying to brash into your house. Oh, man, this We're is start awful. With numbers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is- yeah. What do you know about <laughs> Levitical law? Yeah. Do you know what beget means? Here's the thing. <laughs> Group full of pastors. First thing you guys come up with. Ah, I could read the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> You're already starting making chords in can the corners. Can we please write a fake article that's the, like the top five books to read from when you're trying to get intruders out of your house peacefully? Yeah. Yeah, you guys stick around. It's Deuteronomy time. <laughs> yeah, hold on while I light the special candles. Yeah, yeah. this is a good idea. Okay, step one, evangelize. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's read through all the the gospel genealogies of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, planting the seed, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
this Go counts. to the seats and then say, look, uh, hey, man, we got a break from Bible study. The Gaithers are on. And then sit down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, we will have at least the same success as your average youth group. A bunch of random teens yeah, walking around yeah, yeah. looking for soda while you talk about Jesus and they don't pay attention ah, and try to escape. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Well done. <laughs> Nailed it. Then All right. Make some kind of weird in it to win it games to keep Obviously, their attention. It's going to be lame. Secular says, these are your, quotes friends. Your wife should have done what anyone should do when unwanted intruders burst into one's home. She should have called the police, ah. had the girls removed, and filed a formal complaint. She should also have reported the incident to the school, gotten the parents' phone numbers, school. and informed them about what occurred so it doesn't happen to her and your daughter or some other family again. Uh, and by the way, your daughter should be taught to never open the door unless she wants to let someone in. I mean, I don't really want to live in a world where I can't, where I got to talk through the door. Right. Who was that? Why like, do you have to call the school? What's in any of their business? <laughs> I think they just were talking about getting the contact info for the parents. Yeah, but whatever. Is the school the new arbiter in every fight you got? Right? You got a problem Nor will the school you call give out that information. No. No. You no. can't just call the school and go, hey, so-and-so is here. I need their parents' numbers. That's not how that works. No. that No. It's just a difficult situation. Yeah, evangelize. We think, fixed it. Now think of this, though. <laughs> think of how mu- think of how much advice we've given over the last decade, yeah. and I feel like this one has tied us up worse than a yeah, lot. Oh, absolutely. Of them. This is the toughest one. I've and heard. it's such a goofball thing of someone walking into your house. Here's the deal. There's something about just having a confidence and not caring about what you're doing to somebody else that is intimidating. Yeah, yeah. children I'm, scare us. I'm a monster. I I staff bounce houses from time to time, and I had a situation this weekend where a little girl was kicking me. <laughs> She was kicking me. This three-year-old girl was kicking me. Mom and dad were there. And I'm just like, what do I do right now? Yep. Like, she's not hurting me. And I've repeatedly tried to go, hey, let's have fun and let's not kick each other. You can go bounce. <laughs> and she's like, huh, kicked me in the shins. And I'm like, I'm going to throw this girl in the trash. Like, I'm 800 times your size. My lunch will be bigger than you. Leave me alone. This- that's going to make the Booba greatest hits. I'm going to throw this three-year-old girl in the trash. <laughs> a classic. Hey, yeah, man. I don't know why the police suspect you immediately. In my, <laughs> when in you run for president. In my defense, I did not throw the three-year-old girl in the trash, <laughs> and her parents were very thankful that I was, I was good at what I did. Uh, okay, ready to go? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, let's see if we can do better on this one. Oh, man. Dear Live from the Path. I have a coworker with a troubling psychosis. You know, here's, it occurs to me real quick before we leave this subject. <laughs> my wife would know how to handle this and handle that, it correctly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. My wife deals with how. the same girl all the time and seems to handle it just fine. Yeah, I, yeah. girls, girls just do this stuff. I, yeah. I've I've watched my wife in like one of the one of the toughest situations, and like like there's a guy crying and he's guilty and he did this thing, and my wife it looks him right in the eye, crying too, and says. Uh, I love you. You need to back off from this, and we need to just start over again. And I'm standing back there in five feet, trying to trying to figure out what phony emotion or how I should even react to this. I'm like, I should be mad. Should I be mad? Should I be forgiving? I don't actually know. I have no true feelings at all in this situation. I can't decide what character I'm going to play in this thing. And my wife is playing the role of herself. Yeah. And nailing <laughs> and doing exactly what oh. she's supposed to be doing. They know what words to say and the attitude and the, the tone. and Oh, it's amazing to watch. Yes. Thank the Lord for Christ's falling life. That ain't, no, that ain't no kidding. I'm sitting there back there figuring out which actor I'm going to bring to the play today. <laughs> and my wife's just sitting there doing it. And I'm like, crap, I'm glad this ain't on me. I'd have screwed this up already. <laughs> Lord, we appreciate you for Proverbs 31 wives. Holy cow. <laughs> okay, here we go. Dear life from the path. 
I have a coworker with a troubling psychosis that has left me afraid to wear certain colors or say certain words around him. He has allowed it's a college triggered. football rivalry to impact his relationship with coworkers. Oh no! Oh no! I would really like to wear my maize and blue. Oh boy, he put the word maize in there Michigan. instead of blue. M a i z e is that maize? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Isn't oh, that no. corn? It's Michigan. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that is corn. <laughs> I would really like to wear my maize and blue sweater, but I'm fearful of his reaction. He's from Ohio and is negatively obsessed uh, with Michigan. Yeah. I understand rivalries, but when you won't acknowledge another coworker from that state and require all your coworkers to refer to Michigan as the M state, or you storm off in anger, there's an issue. What should I do? Should I recommend counseling? <laughs> Call the police. So this is so this is a coworker. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's a child. Uh, it's too bad. I, I, you're a dude. I can tell you're a dude, and. You should find a Proverbs 31 woman handy. <laughs> you mean, think a dude you, was the one who knew, said maize and blue? That's right. If you look at your sweater and go, I'd like to wear I'd really like to wear my maize and blue sweater today, but this guy going to make fun of me? That I'd, has never yeah. crossed my mind. <laughs> I'd bring everything Michigan I had just to make right. him mad. He's yeah, an Ohio exactly. State fan. It's like, whatever. It's called a rivalry. Yeah, my ex-boss was a Bears fan, and I'm a Packers fan. I intentionally you hung up everything. Yeah, exactly. Literally. <laughs> Should I, I recommend counseling? What, do you want to get kneecapped in the parking lot? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a way to avoid people harassing I, I you. I hope you get tackled. I think you need counseling. Yeah. <laughs> you seem angry about your team. I think and I talked to my counseling. wife, and she says I look good in an amazing blue sweater, and I want to wear it. I, I love this team. Scott's going to be mad at me. You're so mean. <laughs> Rick. Yeah. Man, I'd sneak the word Michigan in everything I said. Absolutely. Let him stomp <laughs> off. Whatever. I would, I would have myself tra- a Michigan coffee. Right. I'd have <laughs> travel brochures for Michigan. I would randomly sneak in pictures of Michigan in every Picture PowerPoint I had. Desk. I, <laughs> hire a guy named Mitch. And so you can say, it is oh, it's Michigan. Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rick, look, it's Michigan. Yeah. Look, yeah, you got to learn how to play the game, brother. <laughs> you got to get in on this thing. A psychosis? You're wasting all kinds of valuable opportunities really are. to come back at this guy. And then you need to realize that your work is your work, not all of them your buddies. Yeah. I mean, grow oh, up. I, I, did, did I miss it? Like, his evaluation of a psychosis is way overdone. Right. Yeah. Psychosis because of colors and certain words? I was expecting this person to have actual legitimate trauma right. that's making it to where that, like, they're actually like PTSD triggered yeah. by certain things. No, they just love Ohio so much. Here's the thing. What? Is I think the movie The Santa Claus said it best. Is you have a problem at home, that's a problem. You have a problem at work, that's a challenge. And the Santa Claus is right. This is not an actual problem. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you just quote from Tim Allen's The Santa Claus? Yeah, I found it a very moving comment. What? Why do you know that that's from The Santa Claus, first off? First of all, I'm a loving father, and we watch The Santa Claus. But you like... Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Tonight, you are surprising me... Uh, multiple times. You don't know, I don't know the know depth. I crochet as well. I just don't understand you. Tonight, I don't Mike. That. Right. It's, You're a different human being than you usually are. I feel like there's a psychosis that is. Are you going to let the Santa Claus wisdom sink in or not? Or are you going to sit there and talk? Absolutely not. No, it's not. <laughs> now listen to me. In. You got a problem at home? That's a problem. You got a problem at work? That's a challenge. He is looking at this completely the wrong way. He. This is not a real problem. That's right. I think that's a broad point. Yeah. This is a fake problem. Yeah. yeah. As Sanford and Son would say, I'm coming home, Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> or. <laughs> do, 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 do. Yeah. But the, the, just the way it's worded, this guy is not a sports fan. Yeah. Because he says Ohio, not Ohio State. It's Ohio State Michigan rivalry. That's what's going on. It's a Big Ten thing. 
And I don't think he knows what Big Ten is, right? No. I, I think, or he or she, whatever it is, it, it, it's so. No, he's a, he's a dude, definitely. <laughs> this, this, yeah, this, this dude is just trying to be all manly around him and and, and try to. So he just ignore it or play with it yeah. and, and do the Michigan thing with all the all over the place. But. I mean, really, the way he described the problem, the worst thing that happens is the guy storms off in anger. That's yeah. a win. Oh yeah, well, let him, it's a let win. Him I'll get back around. to work now. He can go be mad over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is not a problem. Yeah, none of this is actually this man's problem. This is a, this is another man's problem and there's no reason to take on another man's problem like it's your problem yeah i'd wear your amazing blue sweatshirt tomorrow i just i'd put it right on in your michigan earrings and your michigan earrings and then make a michigan train as you come through the office i'm michigan I'm michigan I'm michigan I'm michigan whatever it takes get them riled up and get them to storm off and then you can do work for another couple hours let him reveal himself yeah okay here's secular advice i agree that your co-worker may be off the deep end you should not recommend counseling for this obsessive and immature individual, but someone in authority should. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Depending on how large a company your employer is, discuss what has been happening with your human resources. Call your boss and call HR. Your boss. <laughs> yeah, as someone who's worked HR, do not call me. This is a textbook example of bullying and creating a hostile work oh environment. My gosh. Your clothing choices should not be dictated by a fellow employee. What the heck ever? My entire clothing choices are dictated by my employer. <laughs> Hey, you can't wear those pants. You have to wear these colored pants. Bully. Like, I mean, <laughs> business casual as an affront to all good-natured society. I, I mean, it's not even a bully. They're not, he's just leaving mad. So, okay. That's hate, right. I mean, hate bye. You guys. <laughs> Don't say Michigan. Say the M state. <laughs> Your co-workers yeah, refer Montana, to Michigan Missouri. the M state or you storm off in anger. Yeah, who cares? Maine. There's I a mean, bunch this, of am states. This is a large nothing burger. You know what I'm saying? Like, you want to go running off angry. Nobody cares. Why do you even care? Yeah, here's when was the last time someone stomped off in anger and, and you said, like, this guy's bullying me? He's a baby. He's yeah. a crybaby. Yeah, he's a bully. He's a, yeah. And he's going to show up to your door, budge through your, your wife and kid, and then eat all your food. Next time that happens at my house, I'm putting on a Michigan shirt. Yeah. yeah. I don't leave. Yeah. Let's talk about judges. The first person, yeah. finally. This is our new accountant, Mitch. There goes Michigan. Oh, Michigan. <laughs> That's too much. Hey, you've been listening live from the path. Here's the deal. Maybe you've done a better job. Maybe you can do a better Red Fox impression. Maybe you have better uh, advice for these ladies. I'm, I'm actually totally interested in this. I'd love you to call or text the complaint line, 515-517-0085, uh, and, and let us know how, how would we have handled this better. It's funny. The Santa Claus didn't speak to that one. <laughs> He, that's because the Santa Claus just <laughs> randomly walks into everybody's house. Seriously, <laughs> random call upon. <laughs> what? No, I can't take it. All right. Uh, next week, uh, I can't tell you anything except for we do plan to be here. So how about that, Maples? In the meantime, be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path. <laughs>